0: One of, the, one of the challenges in preaching is uh, figuring out what you want to say. What I try to do is I try to lay out what I want to say for in sort of a uh, series structure because it helps me know. I, I don't like to hear people and I feel like they're lost too. You ever heard somebody say, He's lost along with me? Neither one of us know what we are. I want to take you on a journey today that's a little bit risky. Because it's about a word that a lot of church people are very uncomfortable with, and it's the word wealth. Can you say that word with me, please? Come on. I want to continue our series uh, about courageous conversations. And the reason I want to talk about this is because, as I said to you in the beginning of our series, the beginning of the year, there has to come a time in your life when you have a courageous conversation. Where you sit down and say, okay, I need to talk about the stuff that's really, really important. I need to make sure I, I don't lose sight of what's important. And I have conversations that deal with the messy areas of my life. The areas that are problematic. And I need to be really honest about those, those areas. Then I said, once you have conversations, you have to make changes. You can't just talk all of your life. At some point after talking, we have to say, okay, now these are the courageous changes. So we start off with courageous conversations. Then we move to courageous changes. Now once we decide what we want to change... Now we need a plan. So we talked about the importance of having courageous conversations, making courageous changes, and then having courageous plans. Once you decide, you make up all the plans and you decide what you want, now here's the challenge. You need resources to do it. So you thought about it, talked about it, decided what you want to do, but you don't have any money. All right? Not just money. You don't have the people. You're going to discover in our definition of wealth, wealth is not just about money. Money's a nice thing and you need it, you need it but we need it as a, as a church to do what we do. But wealth is more, more than that. Wealth is having good advisors. Wealth is about having... The word in its root means happiness. Wellness, wealth. The idea of being well and, and stable and complete. Is your life well? not wealthy, just well. Feed as well. You know, you're always looking for another guy, another woman, another relationship, another friend, another... What, what about living one day in a state of wellness? I'm just happy. I don't have any big issues. I'm not knocking on any big doors. I don't need to be recognized anymore. I don't need another engagement. I'm just well. That doesn't mean that I don't have dreams. It just means that I'm not in a state of eternal emotional crisis. That's how some Christians can sound. I'm always down. I'm always, I'm always off. I'm always needing somebody to say something encouraging to me. People see me because I, you know, I do these, um, I've done them for years, these little chat things. Now I'm doing them on television, motivational moments, they're called. But I used to do what's called practical chats. And people would see me in the airports. they see me in different places. Give me a word. <laughs> I say, really? I said, keep going. Oh, that's a good word. I'll take that one. <laughs> keep going. Keep it's my standard word. You ask me that. I, but I understand. You know, I understand people living that way. But I used to wonder, if I know God, I'm saved, I'm close to God, I read the Bible, I go to church, why am I always down? Can I ever get to a wealthy place where my life is just good? I mean, must I get up here every week and, and beg for money? Ah, that's terrible. For me and for you. Coming up with all these... Things I got to make up. I saw an angel. He had four ninety nine under his wings, you know. <laughs> I got to make up stuff. At some point, that gets tiring, you know, like. Just let's just pay the light bill, people. Everybody, amen. Praise God. At some point, you just have to just deal. At least, brother, you have to come to a place where I just feel good about my life. Happy with the wife I have. Happy with the kids I have. Happy, Even though it's not perfect, I'm, I'm okay. How many like that kind of place? No arguments, no fussing today. It's all good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you on a journey, and there's four sermons in this series, and I gave them to you in writing so you can decide whether you want to come each week. You can say, no, I ain't coming to number three. I don't like that one. I'm <laughs> you can pick and choose. Repeat the topics with me starting today. Say, using, what you, have, using what, you have, what you have. Investing what you have. Learning from, what you have, learning from what, you have, what you have. Talking about what you have. Now, all of that will be uh, done this month. The last ser- series, last sermon, is going to be an open forum Q&A conversation, and I like those. And they'll be online. People online can call in and ask questions, and we'll do that the whole thing. And it'll all be taped. So if you can't be here, you can go on. You can go on the app. You can watch it online. It's all cool. All free. But the goal is for you to follow me in this thinking process. Repeat the topic with me for the series: say, building, building courageous, courageous wealth. Stuff. The whole goal today is to talk about using what you have. Matthew chapter 25 is our, is our case study. And in this study, you're going to see we're going to talk about a guy, three guys in particular, under the notes, the settings in your notes there. Three guys with the different amounts of money. And these different amounts of money were called talents. A talent was a measurement of money. And the talents were given to them by their master based on their ability to manage. Matthew 25, 15. So all three guys, that's what we're going to study today, all of them were given a measurement of money. One guy was given one talent, another guy was given two talents, and the third guy was given a whopping, where do you go, five talents. So, again, this view your talent as a measurement of money, you know, $20, $50. Uh, it, it, it did have a specific measurement, but rather than trying to translate all that for you in today's money and all, just assume each t- guy had a different measurement of money. Now... What's really important is that you understand the ultimate goal. And this is not in your notes I'm about to read to you. I want you to just kind of take note of what I'm about to say, because this is really crucial. If you you get the definition of wealth wrong, and if you misunderstand it, and I think church people are classically good at this, we have a real fear of it. And pastors are scared to death to talk about it. Scared to talk about money, scared to talk about wealth. And And this is really not about money, this whole series. I'm trying to make a point. One big point. You cannot, you can talk all you want, come with the changes, come with the plans. Without the resources to implement them, you just had a conversation. That's all. You felt good about it, but you can't do anything. If you don't have the people, the resource, the knowledge, those things in place, you will never get it done. You have reached your maximum. So take note of what I'm about to say, okay? Our knowledge, passion, focus, discipline, and wealth will determine Will determine what we can do. One more time. Come on, repeat it with me. please. Our, our knowledge, our passion, our passion focus, passion, focus, focus discipline, discipline, and wealth, and wealth will, determine will determine what we can, what we can do. do. That's going to determine it. If we don't build our knowledge, if you don't grow in knowledge and passion, focus, and wealth in a healthy way, you have reached your peak one more time. If we don't build our knowledge, okay, we don't learn anything, we don't become more passionate, self-motivated passion. If we don't become more focused, and if we don't develop wealth, and wealth, again, is beyond money, and there's a definition I'll put in your notes for you. Wealth is more than income. Income is a salary that you get from a paycheck. Wealth is more about what you have left after everything is paid, wealth is defined as well-being, happiness, health, soundness, wellness in the, in the middle English roots. It's, it's the sense of being okay. So if you don't have all that in place in a healthy way, you've reached your peak if you don't build your knowledge, your passion, your focus. I want to say something about passion, which is important. The passion to... <laughs> To get this right to build those things in your life is something that no one can force you to do. Nobody can force you. Nobody has the ability to make you do this. You have to decide I want more out of my life. I want to have more. I want to do better. I want to go further. It is my desire. As a pastor, it's really my desire to determine how the church will grow. I've made a decision. We're going to grow in person, and we're going to grow online. I've decided that we're going to invite our digital audience to be a part of our world. I've decided to not fight that. I've decided to make tools available to you, both in giving, seeing sermons, all free, online. Look, I'm doing all I can, people. I'm doing all I can to make it easy for everybody. I understand you're not going to be here every week, so I try to make it easy for you to reach me when you're not here. I try to reach out and touch you. I try not to overburden you, but I'm trying to reach you. And so there's a goal. I give everybody my email address. Everybody can reach out to me. And ask a question if you want to. It's a wonderful tool. What is my email address? Yes. Pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. You can never forget it. You know why? Because we know he is the what? Pastor at what church? Overcomingbyfaith.org. You cannot lose that. And the reason, and people email me great questions. We have wonderful discussions. But please understand, nobody can force me to do that. I must passionately be looking for new ways and new tools that will help us do a better job. And there's something about that that's self-driven. Are you a passionate person seeking knowledge? Are you focused on the things that matter? Or are you scattered all over the place? Somebody asked me the other day, what is my greatest, um, what, well, behind the scenes here, let me tell you something you don't know. I, I, Whenever I do a series, I like to ask people their thoughts about me in the series. So I call people who really, really know me, work with me council members, staff, people who just know me. And I said, tell me your opinion about me and wealth. And I kind of gave them a little rundown of what I'm going to teach the series on. I said, am I, this is important, I said, am I, in your opinion, a good wealth builder? It's interesting what they said. It's interesting how, because I wanted to say, I want to teach something. And, in your, and the people who know me would say, I don't know why you're teaching that. And, and, and one, none of them really talk about money. They talk more about healthy environments, opening doors of communication, creating an environment where people can talk to you, dialogue with you. They consider that to be part of the wealth of her church, allowing people to give you advice, not being a dictator person who doesn't hear anybody else's voice. There's something about being clear that no one can force me to be that way. It must be something I'm passionate about and that I focus on. Every single day of my life. Let me continue. What will we do with the wealth if we get more? Here's what I think we'll do. Ready? Find ways to improve the world. What's really great is to have the resource to do the work. Wouldn't it be nice to have the money before the vision? Have the resources in place. Have the knowledge. If you are a broke person, you should read a lot about money. Really, when I, when I had no money, when I really didn't have a really good income, I read a lot of books on investments. I read money magazines. You think I was banging with money. You would, but I was broke. <laughs> I was reading ahead of my prosperity. So when it came, I knew what to do with it. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, amen. I read ahead of it. If you want to get married, read about marriage. So when you get a man, you know not how to run him off. <laughs> Same thing with a wife. You know what to do. Children, read about children. Read about, read ahead of your seasons. I do that every time. When I turn 60, I start reading books when I was in my 50s. I start reading books on 60s. I said, wow, look at those people. I learned a lot about how 60-year-old people think. I read about retirement. I read read ahead of my seasons. So that when I get there, I go, I'm not going to make that mistake. And there's something profound about doing that. Last thing I want to say to you, and it's not in your notes, but what is the best kind of wealth you can have and why? The best kind of wealth. This may surprise you. Repeat it with me please say corporate wealth. corporate wealth. Corporate wealth is the best kind. Now here's what corporate wealth is. Corporate wealth is is wealth where everybody contributes to it. Is where everybody contributes to the wealth. That's what I call corporate wealth. We're all seeking to do this together. It's not one person. So corporate wealth is the best because it's easier to get Wealth and to protect it when everybody in the corporate family is committed to it. So when all the family wants to save money and all the family wants to, you know, cut down on the light bill and all the family wants to clean up and all the family wants to help with the cooking and all the family wants the kitchen clean, and all the family wants the yard to look good and all the family is committed to making sure everybody goes to college and finishes. At cor- the corporate family says we don't want to have our descendants tied down with student debt. So we're going to all chip together and pay this thing together. I'll give $100, you give $100, but I'll give $100 now, we got free tuition. That's called corporate health. And when the family has that mindset, and that's how it is in some families. Because sometimes no one person has everything. That's what God established the whole tithing and giving in a church principle for. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, Matthew three fifteen, that there may be meat in the house. The goal is to create corporate wealth so that you can do amazing things like we did you know, the other day with Fall Festival. You have you know, thousands of people. You have all these amazing kids. You're putting clothes on kids. You're doing ama- hundreds of kids. are wearing your clothing because of what you did as a group. And that's because of corporate wealth. It's not one person. It's, it's a group that makes a decision, like a family makes a decision. How will the temples live? How will the temples manage their conflicts? How will the temples manage their money? And it's not when you don't have money, it's when you do. It's learning how to be okay with it, and learning how to manage it together, and how to build wealth for the future. Because you understand that this wealth, this resource, whether it be money, knowledge, all the things that we're going to have, this allows us to do something. One of the really cool things is, when people ask our church to do something, I, I don't just have money to offer, I have people. People who are knowledgeable, people who know. That's my prayer. I want us to become a a church that's just at that place of peace and grace where we can make a difference in the world for real. Now, let me give you a story, though, of a guy who struggled with this. There are three guys in the story I told you, Matthew 25. And verse 24, I'm jumping ahead of the story a little bit. If you read the entire account, this is the guy that, that talked about the most at the end of the story. So next week, we'll talk about two guys next week, okay? And we'll talk about investing. This week we talk about using what you have, and, and this guy, it, it, to me, he reminds me of us the most. We've all been guilty of what he did. Listen to his story. Matthew 25, verse 24. Then he who had received, now this is under three observations about the servant who had went with one talent. Then he would receive, Matthew 25, 24. He would receive one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a what kind of man? Hard hard man. Reaping what you have not sown and gathering what you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. So I went and hid your talent in the ground. Now if you go back to the story I just told you, there were three guys. And the servant master comes in and, and, and gives to each of the three guys a measurement of money, right? One guy gets one, one guy gets two, one guy gets five. The guy with the one talent is who we're looking at first. The guy with the one talent takes what he was given and he buries it in the ground And so he had received one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid. I hid your talent in the ground. I buried it. Look, here is what is yours. He went dug it up and gave it to his master. And this is an example of something called mismanagement of wealth. Now, what's interesting is when we're talking about this in the staff meeting prior to this sermon, um, early, early in the week, one of the staff people asked me a great question. She said, can you, Pastor, put that in 2018 terms for me? Describe this guy in 2018 terms. And Here's what I said. They, this would be a person who blamed others for their lack of wealth and productivity. He didn't see anything he did wrong. It's all about what somebody else didn't do. Is that you? The reason you're where you are, the reason your wealth is where it is, the reason your life is where it is, is because somebody didn't do something for you. Your dad, would not there? Your mom. No, I'm not playing that down. I'm not saying that's not important. I'm not saying that you don't have a case. But I'm saying at some point, is that your only argument? That, that you're where you are, your life is at this state because somebody didn't do something. Now, when you read the story from the outside, you go, oh, that's not fair for him to say. You think the problem is he buried his talent, and you are right. He didn't do anything with what he was given. He basically became inactive. And my question is, okay, so after you buried the money and the other two guys are out there investing their money, what did you do with all that time you had? What were you doing just kind of riding around, you know? You know that money was buried under the tree, you know, the sycamore tree. You know know where it was. Nobody else knew where it was, but you had it buried. Well, what did you do with all those years after retirement? What are you going to do with all this time? What what are you going to do with what you have in your hand? And here's what I think happens to you. You stop looking at what you have in your hand. When you're younger, people used to ask you these great questions. You remember they used to say, what are you going to be when you grow up? You remember that? That's when you're little, right? When you're younger, in high school maybe, college. But after you get to a certain age, people don't ask you that. <laughs> Nobody asks me that anymore. Nobody said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Nobody asks me that. One want my remember she's 93 years old. I was with her the other day. She's great. I enjoy, I enjoy sitting in her house, talking to her. We have great conversations. And again, yeah, 96-year-old pastor yesterday evening. Uh, pastor Matthew Southall Brown was with him the other day yesterday. It's phenomenal. Went over, sat down, kneeled to him, started talking. I said, got down, sat down, we're talking. It's great. When 96, 93, 90-year-old people talk to you and you're 60, you don't feel old. <laughs> you, don't. <laughs> you don't feel old. You know, you go, wow. And you can't tell them you're old because they tell you you're not old. It, it, you know, and, and, I, and I really find that now all people ask me about it, This is true. They ask me one question. When are you going to retire? Nobody ever asked me, What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> Why do I think I'm not still growing? What is it in my brain that's made me think that I'm not still growing, that we are not still growing? Somehow, are we at the peak? I wonder, would you do me a favor? Do it like this. Come on. Are you at the peak in your marriage, peak in your life, peak in your money, peak in your wealth? This is the end. Never again will you grow. Is that what you believe? Is that why you buried your gifting, your dreams, in some hole someplace? And now you're just waiting. And I want to say, waiting for what? Somebody to dig it up for you? Or what are you waiting on? For it to grow in the ground? There's something about really getting this idea that we can get so lost and end up mismanaging what's in our hands. Now, what's interesting is the Lord's response to him. Now, you, you want to watch this. This is a little bit painful here. Verse 26. The Lord's response to this mismanagement, his view of it, is interesting. Here's what he said. His Lord answered and said to him, verse 26, you wicked and lazy servant. Read that out loud, loud. Come on. What? You wicked and lazy servant. Matthew 25, 26. What a strong word. Now, let me tell you, that's tough because nobody wants to be called wicked. The word wicked is not Painful word, you know, and you look it up in the original. It's like witch, wrong, bad. It's got a whole lot of roots in it. It's kind of a rough word. And so to just look at this guy and just lay it on him and say, you're wicked. You're bad. That was bad thinking. It's a bad idea. And then he says this next word is really even more painful. You're lazy. I mean, if we're all honest, we're guilty of being lazy. You've buried your gift. You're not doing anything. You're just sitting around waiting to die, I guess. I mean, what in the world? No dreams, no visions, no passion, nothing. We talk about what we used to do, not about what we are doing or what we're going to do. I make a discipline of that because my temptation, if I'm not careful, is to talk about all I used to do, the good old days. No, forget those days. Everybody where behind me. Say, come on, behind me. Behind. And you got no, Don't do that. Public people might misunderstand you. But just, you know, if you do that and you say, it's back there. It's back there. That's better, yeah. It's back there. It's back there. (laughs) You know, it's behind me. There's something profound about being clear that God's intention was for me to go that way. And he told the guy, you're lazy. I asked the guy one time, I said, are you lazy? He said, no. I said, how do you know you're not? He said, because I'm busy. I said, busy doing what? Stuff that's easy? Maybe stuff that, you know, that's not a challenge. Why, what, why are you not doing anything with what you have in your hand? OK, so you're not trying to be an Olympic athlete. We get it. But why don't you walk? I'm just trying to figure that out. Why won't you at least walk? Walk. I don't like neighborhood walk around your table. <laughs> <laughs> walk around your house. You go to the hospital, you're laying up in there. The doctor's coming in and he go, to oh, heal me in Jesus' name. <laughs> heal by his stripes, quoting all the Bible verses, but you won't walk around your table. <laughs> I, I just want you to understand, that's lazy. That's not God's fault. I want you to know that a lot of things that happen to us, and we can look in the mirror and say, this is what's going to happen to us. I see it. This is the truth. Look at your finances. Listen to me. You've been broke last month, the month before, and the three months running, you've been broke. Okay, so now you're headed to four. What are you going to do about this? I want you to pause. There's no strategy. There's no plan. There's no dream. You're just praying, God, I want you to come bring money. That's not how it works. There's something about you saying, I believe that I still am alive. Breathe in. Yep, see, I told you. You're still with us. (laughs) If you're breathing, you're with us. What are you going to do about your marriage? I'm trying to figure this out. You're just going to be mad another four more months? Walking around, not talking, to like, I can't stand her, I just don't like her. He's on my nerve, I should have married Charlie, you know what I mean? All this. You're, you're getting lost and doing nothing. Because it's easy to complain and it's hard work to deal with your relationship issues. It takes time and, and, and focus and effort and knowledge. Maybe, maybe you need to learn how to be a better wife. Maybe you need to learn how to be a better husband. I was I was always reading books on marriage and women, and Diane would get so mad. With, Why are you reading on women? Why are you reading on women? How to deal with a difficult pastor's wife? Books like that I used to read. It. <laughs> I used to read stuff. Really, I read books like that, and she would get so. What do you? You need to read about men. I said I'm not having any problem with men. <laughs> I'm dealing with a woman. I need to know about you. I need some knowledge. I meant that. I meant it with all. My, and it helped me. I learned the language. I learned, I learned to understand. I learned a lot, and it's made my marriage better because I read, a, I read about my issues. And it changed my attitude. You'd be surprised how things can help you. I, was, I, really, I read a book called Quiet. It's going to every month on my website, rickytemple.com. I put up a favorite video. And so at rickytemple.com uh, tomorrow, we're going to put up a new, a new video um, by Susan Kane. It's a book called Quiet. Oh, God. Ah. The first chapter of the book called Quiet by Susan Cain changed my view of all people who are quiet introverts she talked about and how they're not wrong because they're introverts and that one he said uh, um, a third to a half of Americans are introverts and when I deal with people who would like that my wife is sort of an introvert she really is and so it helped me understand stop trying to change her they say they make better decisions. That they think through things. Very thoughtful. There's a strength they bring. Everybody has not have to be outgoing. You know, I'm the guy that's going to come to your house, take my shoes off, and stay. What? Oh, man, I'll come over to your house, take my, first thing, I want you to take my shoes off, first thing. I'm a shoeless person. Love it. Now sit down, drink tea with you, coffee, whatever, decaf, you know, decaf. But yeah, some chocolate, maybe grits. Not that much. I only eat grits every day. She said I did earlier. I do not. <laughs> Two days a week, okay. Maybe three on a bad week. But you know, I, but you know, I eat a little bit, not much. But you know, my point is, I, But my wife is an introvert, man. She, 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 she ain't coming. <laughs> not like I would come. She come now, but not like me. And I, I had to learn. And see, sometimes I think we, we're too lazy to, to learn. You're only angry because you don't understand. You're angry because, okay, I'm going to talk in code language. See if you can figure it out, okay? If you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. Okay? I'm officially <laughs> going over some of your head right about now, okay? <laughs> if your intimate life is not where you want it to be, See, I know you lost. That's because you don't understand sex. Sorry, excuse me, slipped out. You don't understand. You think you know, you watch TV, you know everything. You don't know nothing watching TV. That's all fake. You sitting there watching what they do on TV. What's up, baby? You just watching TV is your educator. Because you're too shy in health class, you laugh when they try to tell you about sex. You got y'all quiet. Oops, slipped out again? I'm sorry. But, you know, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Sleeping all around with folks, you know, all your life. You know, you, now you get married, you think, oh, I know exactly what to do. No, you don't. That's why when you have to have a, it's different than having an event and a lifestyle. Every day. For example, you can drive my car once, but when you drive it every day, it's different. <laughs> I'm over your head, I know, hang with me. <laughs> I'm Hang with me, don't get. Somebody said, what are you saying? What's going on? That's good. Stay lost. It's all good. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. You never knew what you were doing. Faking all your life. That's why some of you women, you come and you all dressed up and just know how to flirt and throw your leg out and wiggle your toes. That ain't nothing. That, anybody can do that. <laughs> it's when you are there every day, week in and week out and drove the car 50 times, stay with me, hang with me, I'll sit over your head, I know you lost. 100 times after a while, you learn something. You don't know everything. That's why you're always in strife, because you, you, you just don't know. And you're too lazy, you're not careful. to find signed out. Won't let anybody help you. You're trying to fix your own car. You ever know those people? <laughs> Open up the hood, and say, Oh, I think it's a whatchamacidget, just the whatchamacidget. That's what's wrong. It's what's is not connected to the whatchamacallit. And then you, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. That's why when people stop on the side of the road, their car broke, I don't stop because I know I can't fix it. <laughs> I know to keep going. You need somebody, girl, that can really help you. If I stop, he may not stop, the mechanic may pass you by. I know that's not terrible, but I'm telling the truth. I, I can't fix my old car. I have to take it to somebody. It's when you understand that you've been trying and your car's still broken and you're still plodding down the road, why don't you stop and get your money fixed? Why don't you stop and get your attitude fixed? Why don't you stop and get this thing fixed? Or have you buried your talent in the ground? You buried it and you're just ignoring it and you're just kind of floating, hoping, and you're just incredibly wrong prayer to pray. God, could you fix my life? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Really? Let's try this. You ready? Please do what I ask you to do. I'm only, it's only a drill. I'm not going to do anything to you, and the person next to you is not going to do anything to you if you do it. Okay? Because they know it's a drill, right? Look at your neighbor for me. Somebody around you. Come on. Say please. Come on, please. Buy me some shoes. There you go. What they say? No. They said no. Here's what you should do. Don't ever sit by them again in church, okay? Find somebody else. Look at them really good. Take a picture. Never sit by these people. These are who are insensitive and who don't understand. All you asked for was some shoes. But here's what you're saying. Well, let me not say it for you. What are you saying? Why did you say no to her with such tone? Tell me why. Why did you say no? Because um, you don't have it like that right now, the money okay, gave yeah, but it's also not your responsibility. Because she has a job. She's a schoolteacher. She can buy her own shoes. And knowing her, she probably got a bunch of them already. You understand? So do you understand? How is it God's responsibility to fix every area of your life when he gave you a brain? I'm just trying to figure out why is it the responsibility? Help me. To heal your body, you keep putting junk in. Help me understand, how is it his responsibility to fix your relationship? And you're the one who cussed them out in the first place. How is it you the one who cussed them out? You cheated. You did that. You're the one who slapped them up a little bit. So now you want God to come down and fix it up and buy you some shoes when you ought to buy your own shoes and fix up your own life. Come on, talk to me, somebody. It's your life. You forgot your job description. Can I go back a series here for a minute? It's when you understand that and you stop and you say to yourself, I'm being lazy. I'm just praying, Lord, come, Jesus. Fix this marriage. Fix this man. Blame the devil. (laughs) You're on the comedy show in heaven. Let me tell you something. This is your mess. And you want nobody but God to come down and fix it for you. And then you have the nerve to talk to God. I knew you were a hard man. I knew you reap where you have not sown. I know. He turned it. Spent all your life turning it on people. I see pastors, they say, "Uh, my church just won't grow. My church won't grow. People just won't come. I said, why do you think they won't come? I don't know. There's something wrong with these people. I said, well, let me hear your sermons. What you want to hear? You want to hear my sermon? Yeah, I want to hear what you said. I said, Do you ever listen to your sermons? He said, No. I said, Well, how do you know what people are going through? You never hear what you're talking? You ever cook food, and don't taste it? How long do you talk? I'm about to end right now. Hang on, y'all. I'm getting out of here. I promise. People don't like to hear a long to span. They lose sight. You ever you ever hear a preacher talk so long? You go to sleep, wake up, he's still talking, you just don't know what he said. Get tired, don't know where he's at, you're confused. In one Bible verse, and you jump all around, and you get your body, and you're trying to find where you're at. Turn in that turn to Ezekiel, turn. Dude, dude, time out. I can't find all them books. (laughs) I don't know what he said. Talk so fast. People used to laugh at me because I used to sing, preach. You know, I I did. I grew up learning how to sing, preach. Mm -hmm. God is a good God. God knows how to come down and change your life. Can you say, yeah? yeah? I know God is able. To rescue my life. Can you say yeah? yeah? When I was down and out, the Lord lifted me. Come on, church. Say amen. amen. See, that's how I learned to preach. What? Shoot. Used to run revivals, run around. But I got confused. I told you I got confused after a while. I, I forget where I was. I be... <laughs> and then when you get confused, you go, come on, say amen, amen. Come on, say amen, amen. Come on, come on, amen. I'm trying to figure, where was I in Jesus, man? What in the world? So I said, so I got to slow down here a little bit. I can't do this for 35 years like this. I'm gonna be tired, my voice is gonna be gone. Nerves bad. I'm sorry, this is so I can survive. Come on, say it, man. We see the guy who mismanaged the wealth, we see the guy who how God viewed, how the master viewed the mismanagement of the wealth. And here's what he did, and I gotta close. Verse 26: the Lord answered him. You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown. Gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. That's the least you could have done. Put it in the bank, let it draw interest. And at my coming, I would have at least received mine back with some interest. But because you wouldn't do that, here's the results. Ready? I'm going to take from him and give to the guy with ten talents. Because you'll find next week, the guy with five talents doubled what he had. Sometimes when I deal with people, I realize I'm trying to restore something God took from them. Because no matter what He gives them, they do the same thing, they bury it. They refuse to use what they have in their hand, no matter what God gives them new job, new relationship. They do the same thing in every relationship. They cut them out, they talk about them, they fight. This is the same cycle not faithful, not committed. Every church he leads, he pastors, he does the same thing. The same choices leads to the same results. If you want something different, you've got to invest differently. Come back, Miss, we've got to talk about that. You learned something today? I hope you did. God bless you. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today's message. I pray that the Holy Spirit would bless this word in the hearts of your people, that they would leave this place inspired today. And may they never be the same. May they understand the power of building courageous wealth. Seeing wealth beyond money, but understanding the power of money and the power of that resource. Building friends, knowledge, relationships, having a wealthy existence, a sense of peace and tranquility. I declare that in their life today. I speak it over them. May they be at peace with life (laughs) and just happy that's what the word means I pray that for them in Jesus name every head bowed every eye closed you heard me talk today and you realize that maybe you need to get your life on track and what, what would be a good start is to open your heart to Christ You're a good person, maybe you're a God-fearing person, but you haven't been serving him, and you know that better than anybody. And so I want to pray for you today that this could be the beginning for you of a new day, beginning of a new life. I want to pray for you to start your life with Jesus. If you're here today and you want to start your life with Jesus, whether you're here or home, please raise your hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Just say, pray for me, Pastor, by raising your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see two here. I see two there. Anybody else? I see you there. I see you there, my sister. I see you, my brother. I see you. I see you. God bless you. I see anymore. I see you back there. Thank you. Anybody else? Do I see Father, I'm praying for those who raised their hands. Thank you, my sister. I thank you all. Many have raised their hands. Some have raised their hearts. This is the moment I pray in Jesus' name to be transformed and touched. I pray, God, that your spirit would touch them today, that this would be a transforming moment. Every hand lifted, please. Every hand lifted. We lift our hands and surrender to you. We thank you for the difference you make in our lives. We pray for these who raised their hands and many who raised their heart to start a life with Jesus. You died on the cross and set them free. May this be the day that their lives change forever as they come to acknowledge they need to serve you. Thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. We give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. I want you to look this way for a second. Whether you raise your hand or your heart, I want to offer you something. I want you to stop by what's called the Get Connected Station. That's the people on the left and the right, in the back of the sanctuary, also in the main lobby. There's a red booth there that is waiting for you, people dressed in red, and they want to put something in your hand to help you start your walk with Jesus. And it's a way of just saying, let me take this home, look through this material, pray about it.